Hi, this is Chad Russell, sitting here with Kurt Souter, and we are having a little bit of extra bonus material today with Jim Hamilton. He just did a, a podcast, a radio episode, and we're going to do a little bit of bonus material for a podcast, and we're talking about his dad, and we're talking about dads and sacrifice today, and we may talk a little bit about um, just more baseball or more seminary questions or anything else. I know Kurt wanted to hear more about Howard Hendricks, because I, I love Howard Hendricks teaching-wise. I've listened to hours of that man what we can find of, of uh, stuff he's been teaching. So I'd love to hear some more about that. But one question I had, Jim, was you said something in our radio broadcast. You said, I wanted to be like my dad. And the number of men who can say that I think is fewer than those who can. Yeah. A lot of guys grew up saying, you know, I, I don't want to be like my dad. Yeah. And I heard a counselor say, when you start saying you cannot strive to be the un-something, mm-hmm. I don't want to be like someone, and you end up becoming a lot like that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk to the guy who's listening who says, boy, my dad wasn't like Jim Hamilton Jr. Uh, what would you say to that guy? Well, I, I think that um, so much of this comes down to the perspective of the child. And the, re- the reason I say that is because when, when we look at the scriptures, mm-hmm. the, book of, the book of Samuel, First and Second Samuel, is fascinating. Um, Samuel, the prophet has wicked sons. And so here, here's this godly man, Samuel, who I think was worthy of his son's emulation and his sons did not follow in his steps. And then, and then you get to these complicated figures of David and Solomon. Um, David um, did a lot of good things, you know, he's the sweet psalmist of Israel and, and um, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote the Psalms and he was Israel's king, but then he has that that um, grievous sin with Bathsheba and the incident of Uriah's death, where he he brings it about, um, and and the the ramifications of that had direct influence, direct impact on the lives of his sons. I mean, the son born to Bathsheba died, and then um, I, I think the the end of Second Samuel is really a reflection of David's morally compromised position where he um, he has this son by one woman named Amnon who develops a lust for one of his daughters by another woman and then Amnon winds up um, sexually assaulting David his sister his half-sister Tamar and David doesn't do anything about it and the law is very clear what David should have done uh, the the the, the penalties for what Amnon had done. But because David doesn't do anything, Absalom takes matters into his own hands and murders Amnon. And then David doesn't do anything about Absalom and Absalom flees and eventually he's brought back and then he tries to usurp the throne. So the, the point I'm trying to make here is if anybody is a father that we would point to and say, what a great guy, surely it's David. And, and you know, my dad wasn't perfect. David wasn't perfect. But so much of it comes down to the perspective of a kid uh, in spite of those things, Solomon clearly walked in the footsteps of his father, David, at least to a degree. The, uh, the book of Kings says that his heart wasn't wholly devoted to the Lord like that of his father, but he, he followed the Lord as his father, David, did. And then we could talk about uh, the book of Proverbs, which Solomon wrote, which is so much addressed to my son. And then we could look at mm. Solomon's sons who were kind of disasters. <laughs> I mean, Rehoboam split the kingdom. You know, he was a fool. Um, and, and he is the one addressed by. So what I would say to um, somebody who says, you know, I can't point to my dad and say, what a great guy. 
I, I, what I, in part, I would say maybe there are things that you're overlooking. Maybe there are things that you can be grateful for. But then I, I want to be quick to acknowledge that there are guys who had horrible dads, who did awful things. And my response to that is, we all, as we approach fatherhood or as we, as we think about these things, we all need to embrace Deuteronomy 6, where mm-hmm. Moses calls Israel and, and, and he says, have, he, he first says, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one, Deuteronomy 6, 4. And this is like the most important theological statement in the Old Testament, that, that Yahweh alone is God. He's the only God there is. And then he, he immediately follows that by a statement that is just as significant and, and really flows from that one when he says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And, and I think the love there is, is a, a covenantal devotion. It's not a kind of emotional, ooey-gooey kind of a thing. It's, it's, look, this is the only living and true God, so you're to be completely and utterly devoted to him. And then the third statement, uh, likewise, is directly connected to the first two, where Moses says, these words that I command you today shall be upon your hearts. So, so he's just said, God is the only God, you're to love him, and these words that I'm giving you are to be upon your hearts. These are tremendously significant, uh, world-forming, world-shaping realities. And then the very next statement, <laughs> it, 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 you know... Th- we might think, what's going to come next? We're, we're, we're like on Mount Everest in terms of Old Testament theology. Only one God, you're to love him. The Bible is to be on your heart. What's going to come next? Is it going to be something about the king or about the economy or about the military? Well, in a sense, it's about all those things. Because the next words are, uh, having said, these words that I command you today shall be upon your hearts, Moses says, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you lie down and when you rise up and when you walk by the way. And so what Moses wants fathers to do is teach their kids the words of Scripture and then discuss them. That's, that's what he wants. And then that needs to happen when you're sitting around the house, the first thing when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, and when you go from place to place. You need to be talking about the Bible and then discussing, rehearsing the words of the Bible together and then discussing the meaning of those words together. And it's not really, Jim, it's not really having a Ph.D. in Bible and theology. It's just opening the Bible and getting a translation that you can understand and your kids can understand. And uh, in, in, in my home, that means the King James is out, Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. even though I grew up with that. That's right. It, 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 it's being able to then read, read, read together and then just talk about it. That's exactly right. And, and all of this flows from, it flows from somebody who understands first, there's only one lo- true God, and then somebody who loves God. The, on, the only kind of guy that's going to have the word, of, the, the word of God on his heart is the kind of guy who knows there's only one God and he loves that God. And then if those three realities are in place, then he's going to be talking about the Bible to his kids. It's, it's going to be a natural outflow of his own walk with God. Mm. And, and, um, and it, it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. But it does take initiative. And it takes, uh, I can remember recently uh, hearing a pastor um, say, cluelessness is unchristlike because because this sort of clueless mm. passivity is really a disregard for the people around you. 
And, and so you have to forsake cluelessness and you have to say, all right, I'm going to get a clue. I'm going to lock in on a verse. I'm going to, I'm going to write it on the tablet of my heart so that I can rehearse it to my kids. And then you have to take the initiative to say to your kids in our day, okay, everybody put their screens down, you know, turn off the iPhone or the iPad or get away from the computer. I need everybody's attention. I need you to look me in the eye. You have to take the initiative and do it. Mm, that's good. Hey, Jim, um, in this bonus segment, talk a little bit about one of my favorite heroes in the faith, Howard Hendricks. Howie uh, passed away a few years ago and is with the Lord, but you had him as a professor. That's right. That's um, right. Talk about uh, talk him, about him a little bit. You know, I think I think the best thing I can say about him is that he had a contagious enthusiasm for the Word of God. He loved the Bible, and he loved to equip people with the ability to. Uh, interpret the Bible by making observations on what it was saying and then to apply the truth that they were seeing in the scriptures to their own lives. So that, you know, that was his, his, his mantra, observe, interpret, apply. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, he, he, he had this way of, of helping you to see more of what was in the text. There's always more there to see. And that's the truth. You know, so often I think we, we think to ourselves, ah, I've, I've read the Bible. There's nothing there for me. I, I don't really feel compelled to go back to it. But when we go back to it, God always surprises us. He always, he, he always has more light to break open from his word. And, and, and if there's any, it, that's the most prominent thing that comes to mind about Howie Hendricks, mm-hmm. is that he loved the Bible and he believed there was always more to see there. And he has influenced so, I mean, uh, just boatloads of people. Yeah, yeah. When I was a student at Dallas Seminary, uh, it, was a, it was a class that every entering student took. Every, every, everybody in the school, all new students were enrolled in, in uh, Howie's class. <laughs> Bible study methods and interpret. Er, Bible study methods and hermeneutics. That was the name of the class. Wow. Mm. That's, that's golden. Yeah. I remember reading uh, or hearing him say, I hear, there's a, there's a site out there that has all dozens of his old recordings. I mean, they sounds like somebody with a microphone mm. in a background, but it doesn't matter. I mean, this is like vintage in 60s, 70s from long ago. I mean, and he's got just a, a wealth of, of, of knowledge on there that you can hear. I remember him saying something once that, he said, you should spend 30 minutes reading the scriptures and then 30 minutes thinking about what you mm. read. Yes. And I've never forgot that. It was mm. like, you know, he just, he was always constantly talking about thinking and mm. how, uh, how to look, like you said, deeper into the scriptures. I mean, I bet he was yeah. a character to, to hang out with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that what you just said is exactly what Psalm 1 is talking about when it says, blessed is the man, list these things he doesn't do. And then it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates. Right. That's what that, and that word meditate. It, it you, I'm sure you've you've heard this. It, it, it's a Hebrew word that just means mutters. So this is describing somebody who's cogitating, and he's sort of muttering under his breath, mm-hmm. and as he as he sort of puzzles through the meaning of the scriptures. Right. I, I always relate to growing up on a farm. He's chewing the cud. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness. Jim, it has been an absolute delight well, uh, to have you. Thanks Praise so much for coming in. Uh, thanks for your heart mm. for the Lord. Thanks for what uh, what God has you doing mm. at, at Southern and uh, here in Louisville mm. as a pastor. Mm. And uh, thank you for being faithful. 
That's a privilege. Thank you, guys. I'm grateful to be here. Again, Jim's the pastor of the Kenwood Baptist Victorial Victory Memorial. Ken, Kenwood at, Baptist Church at Victory Memorial. There you go. You know, I, I wrote this book called God's Glory and Salvation Through Judgment, and everybody gets that title wrong also. <laughs> nobody, God's Glory and Judgment Through Salvation. Nobody gets the title right. So it's okay that I've got a long church title. Yeah. That's all right. Well, Jim, thanks for coming in today, and uh, we thank you for listening to this little bonus segment. Hopefully it's been encouraging you. Pass it along to another guy. Uh, you'll know somebody who needs to be encouraged by this or challenged by it, Mm. and we all do. So thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio.